You're listening to the Mountainside Kairos Podcast. Hey, hey, everyone. Thank goodness it's Thursday. We're back at it at the Mountainside Kairos Podcast. And today we're going to be jumping in to Genesis chapter 11, looking at the Tower of Babel story. And so I'm just going to read it starting in verse 1, and I'll read it down to verse 9. It says, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So that the Lord disperses them from there. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over all the face of the earth. You know, it's interesting how oftentimes it's not what we do, but why we do things that makes something right or wrong. And the most notorious motivation that corrupts our action is pride. You know, having this overinflated or overconfident view of yourself. At best, it's thinking too highly of yourself. Like the kid at the skate park, the skate park who talks a big game but is too afraid to actually get on his board. But at worst, pride is thinking that you are better than God himself. And we see that form of pride on full display in Genesis chapter 11. And what this story about the Tower of Babel shows us is that this pride, it stems from the fact that they got God wrong. And when they got God wrong, everything else fell apart. You know, for example, it starts off by saying that they continue eastwards. Which in all of Genesis, this picture of people moving eastward is people moving further and further away from where God promised to bless them and the boundaries that God placed around them. It is moving east of Eden. And in doing that, they got God wrong. They believed that they would be far better off anywhere but within God's boundaries. And then, you know, by striving to build a tower that reached to the heavens, they got God wrong again, thinking that God could be reached by physical means rather than spiritual. They thought that they could build a tower to him rather than changing their hearts towards him. Once again, they got God wrong when they thought that they needed to make a name for themselves because the name that God had given them as an image bearers was not enough. Finally, they got God wrong, picturing him in their image rather than themselves in God's image. And so... You know, they would rather trust their own ability to reach God and make a name for themselves than to trust God to be the one who defines them. And the ironic thing is, in this story, is that the builders thought that their tower reached into the heavens, but in reality, it is so low that the Lord had to descend down from heaven just to see it. 
I mean, sure, it was a tremendous feat of architecture and engineering. At the time, it would have stuck out like a sore thumb, a truly marvelous structure by human standards. But it pales in comparison to God's handiwork. Do you think God is going to look at this, you know, even if it's a kilometer tall um, structure and be like, oh my gosh, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. He made the mountains. He made the universes. He made the stars. He, he has seen structures beyond our wildest dreams. And so as one author put it, God always has to, quote unquote, come down to examine our anthill achievements built in the sidewalk cracks of his creation. But so often, you know, we do the exact same thing. We, like the builders of the city of Babel, we want to make a name for ourselves and reach the heavens and prove ourselves with our achievements and technology and progress. You know, we go through the painstaking effort to work and sweat and build in order to make a name for ourselves. We will go through great lengths to try to find significance and meaning through our own achievements whether it's grades or promotion or new cars or new bikes, you know, whether it's a new Strava personal best or a dream, a dream vacation that we post all over Instagram. So much of what we do is an effort to say, look at me, acknowledge me, validate me, make my name great. You know, a lot of those things are good things to be enjoyed and glorified God through. But when they are done so with the motivation of self-gratification, of proving ourselves, of puffing ourselves up to make much of ourselves, in doing that, we remove God from the throne and put ourselves on it instead. What we do are still acts of worship, but instead is our own image that we are worshiping rather than the one whose image we are created in. And so we look for acceptance and value and meaning in all the wrong places, and in doing so, we continue to go east away from God's blessing, not trusting that the boundaries of his commands and his promises and his presence are truly what is best for us. We fail to trust that God is good and that what he has provided for us is sufficient and what he says about us is sufficient. And so, like we see in the story, God frustrated the builders of the Tower of Babel's misguided plans. He prevented them from doing what they wanted to do based on their misunderstanding and mistrust of God, because he knew that if they were to continue down the path they were on, they would end up causing all kinds of problems, and not the least of which would be the perpetuation of a faulty view of who God is. Their tower would have been a monument declaring truths about a false God and lies about the true God. Now, to bring this home today, you know, I can't help but notice that all sorts of plans have been ruined lately. Big and small, significant and insignificant, short-term and long-term, you know, summer trip plans or career plans or plans to move or education plans, personal plans, but also the plans of entire nations have been stalled out. You know, political plans and plans of industry and of commerce and of technology have all been disrupted in our current moment. And now I'm not saying that all of those plans are necessarily self-serving, and not all of those were to make a name for ourselves. But I think that more often than not, our plans, both personally and corporately, are far more self-focused than we would like to admit. If push came to shove, I would bet that in some way or another, our plans are designed to offer us some form of fulfillment, meaning purpose or esteem. They're often for the sake of making a name for ourselves. 
I mean, it's low-hanging fruit, but Trump's slogan is literally, Make America Great Again. It's not even subtle. It's an attempt to make a name for themselves, but God is not present in their aim. They are aiming for their own greatness. Sure, he may try to slap God's name on it like a bumper sticker, but it's nothing more than an attempt to harness God's power for his own benefit. And truly, how well is that going for them right now? America, I feel like, is anything but great at the moment. And in contrast, we see what happens when God is trusted and obeyed. Just one chapter over in Genesis chapter 12, in verses 1 to 2, God says this to Abraham. It says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. What a contrast. To be truly great is to be made so by God, and it is for the sake of others. So perhaps the significant upheaval of plans, from a personal scale all the way to a worldwide scale, maybe this is actually God's mercy towards us. By God not allowing us to have what we want, which is our own greatness for our own sake, he is actually being merciful towards us. As one thinker called this, he calls this the Babalic kill switch that God presses whenever we are getting too far away from him and his plans, you know, in order to give us the opportunity to stop and ask the question, whose greatness am I after? Am I after my own greatness or are my plans for God's glory and the blessing of others? You know, do my plans indicate that I am trusting in my own ability to make a name for myself? Or am I trusting that God is sufficient for me? That he will lead me, he will guide me, and if he wants to make my name great, then he will do it. But my own name is not my concern. My concern is the greatness of God and the benefit of others. So in conclusion, we don't want to just be hearers of God's word, but we want to be doers and sharers of it. And so ask yourself these three simple questions. What was God saying to me today? And then what am I going to do about it? And finally, who would benefit from hearing this? Who could I share this with? Even if it's just sharing this podcast, how could I share God's word with someone else? And I hope that as you answer those three questions, that you would be blessed not only in your hearing, but also in your doing and your sharing. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.